Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the next segment of 62 Who Knew. I am Michael Banner, your host here at WeBeam TV Studios in beautiful Port Ritchie, Florida, although it does look like a hurricane is coming outside. But other than that, we're doing great here in Florida. Again, welcome to 62 Who Knew. Let me give a very, very big heartfelt thank you to our guest from last week, Ms. Laura Banner, who uh, introduced us to her brand new book, At the Window with Dementia, as many of our uh, viewers already know that Laura has been a guest on our show several times, and the topic of dementia is a very touching topic. It's a it's a topic that has touched my family, and, and quite frankly, it's touched many, many families, so it always is one of our more popular episodes uh, when we bring on uh, Laura Banner. But last week, we went over her book, like I said, that was just released just a few weeks ago and is already doing great at the window with dementia. Uh, you can find that on Amazon.com. If you or anyone in your family or any of your loved ones that you know um, are suffering from dementia, uh, this is a staggering book, not just for them, but for the caretakers. In fact, more for the caretakers than for the actual people uh, that have been hit with this terrible affliction. So thank you, Laura, for that. So before we get on to tonight's show, I'm going to do what I always do, which is say welcome to our new viewers as our audience continues to grow. And I'm going to tell these new viewers exactly the premise of 62 Who Knew. Why did we develop this show almost 16 months ago? And how did we go from zero viewers to a little more than 80,000 per week and growing with this topic? And what is our topic? Here we go. All of us, when we approach the age of 62. Some of us started as early as our 40s, some of us in our mid-50s. But as we get to that magic number of 62, we start thinking about retirement. We start thinking about uh, should our house be uh, free and clear? Should um, uh, we pay off our mortgage? Should we have long-term care insurance? Should we keep our life insurance or should we let it go now that the children are older? Who is going to be responsible, what carrier, for our Medicare uh, in three years? Should we have annuities? Should we invest in the stock market? How risky should we be? Let's talk health. Let's talk other things. All of us, as we approach 62, <clears throat> have those thoughts. I have them. I turned 62 in July. My father had them many years ago. His father had them. But my generation, our generation, the demographic that watches the show from about 55 to 65, we have people younger, we have people older, but that's the main demographic of our show, 55 to 65, we have a different obstacle than our fathers and their fathers and their fathers before them. What is that obstacle? It's a double-edged sword, it's a mixed blessing, and it's called longer lifespans. Never other than in the last two to three decades, has science, modern technology, medical breakthroughs have had such steps forward that the truth is if you live to be 62 today, the odds are almost even money, even money, 50-50, that you're going to make it to 90. Almost even money. And just a little be below uh, even money is to 90 to 95. And as we've learned on this show and many other things that I'm sure that you listen to and watch with the new things that are coming in the next five to 10 years, not 20 to 30 years, but in the next five to 10 years, living to be 100 
is going to be within our lifestyle, within our lifetime, I should say. And not just living, but living with quality. And the truth of the matter is, less than 1% of this country, far less than 1% of this country, is capable of living from the age of 62 to 90 or 92 and doing it with, in the type of style that they want to, doing it having it with all their needs met, with the type of luxury they're used to. Many people are working well into their 60s and 70s. Longer lifespans, as great as they are, are a double-edged sword. And that's what 62 Who Knew is all about. Every week we bring on different experts, national experts, whether it be about health, financing, insurance. Tonight's guest is a national expert on reverse mortgages. Every week we do something different because who knew at 62 that we still had half the time ahead of us that we've already been here. You're 62 years old. You still got another 30 years left. Who knew? George Burns said a very long time ago on Johnny Carson one night when it was his 100th birthday and they were celebrating it on Johnny Carson. I know I'm dating myself. And he said to Johnny, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. Well, that's what 62 Who Knew is about. So without further ado, let us bring on a good friend, a colleague, uh, a national expert, well-known throughout the country for his expertise in reverse mortgages. You know that is a topic near and dear to my heart. Um, without further ado, Mr. Stephen Sless. And there he is. Hello, sir. How are you, my friend? Great to be back. Uh, great to have you back. I mean, in a post-COVID world. You know, somebody sent me an email today, a stranger, you know, sales pitch. But, you know, you, you, you always go by that first line to whether you're going to delete or keep reading. And you know what his first line yep. was? And I hope he didn't um, copyright it because I'm going to steal it. <clears throat> he said, I hope you're feeling positive and testing negative. Isn't that cool? I, I, that was like, pretty clever. I, yeah, I read that and I went, I'm going to read this guy's email. So how are you doing? Let's Before we talk reverse mortgages, before we talk anything, how are the babies doing? How are the children through COVID-19? What's happening in your life the last six months? Yeah, you know, all in all, can't complain. Uh, blessed that my kids are healthy, uh, four and almost two. That's Amazing to think that my little one is almost two. I remember she was just born uh, when I did the first show of yes. 62 Who Knew uh, a couple years ago. Yes. Uh, but the kids are great. Uh, my four-year-old is in school five days a week and preschool five days a week, which is just a, a godsend after being off from March or April of last year all the way I through the you. end of the year. And we were worried about her not going back to school this year, but she's in school five days a week, mask and all, but at least she's there. Mm -hmm. She's amongst her peers, amongst her friends same teacher as last year. And it's just, I think that's important for yes. some sense of normalcy. I think with COVID, uh, you know, I think the biggest impact, uh, besides obviously those that have become very ill and unfortunately those that have passed, but the kids, right. We're, uh, what yes. is, what is the long-term impact on the kids' lives? And so that's we're, right. we're blessed and grateful that the kids are healthy. The wife is healthy. I'm healthy. Uh, both of my parents actually had COVID, which was very scary, oh but God. they've overcome and they've gotten through it. And so, blessed for them to be uh, alive and well as well. That must um, have been and all in all, can't scary. complain. It's been a very, very busy year for us. Yes, I think when has. COVID first happened, we were very concerned about what would this do to business? 
Uh, and it's turned out it's it's really escalated our business quite a bit. I know you and I were talking about that a little bit earlier today. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are taking planning a lot more seriously now. And it's been a, a very busy year for us. So we're, we're blessed that we're able to be a part of the American recovery. And, of course, I personally am blessed that, uh, that my family is, uh, is well and healthy. You gave me the chills when you said your mom and dad both uh, had COVID. Thank God everything's good. No repercussions. Yep. Everything's fine. No, my, my dad had it pretty bad, never, never hospitalized, thank God. My mom really didn't have any symptoms. It was just uh, she lost her sense of taste and smell for a couple of days. Very mild case. My dad was pretty ill for about a week, maybe a week and a half, but luckily never had to go into the hospital uh, and has since semi-retired. And we can talk about that later in the show. They actually yes. got their very own reverse mortgage just three weeks ago. You and he was able to... Uh, say, hey, guess what? I'm not coming to work every day anymore. That's and, right. And so he's really thrilled about that. But no, they're, they're both well and healthy. And, and thank God we're able to recover and you, come through it. You know, it's one thing for us to write about it in newspapers and magazines and, and on LinkedIn. And then it's another thing to help strangers, you know, have a better life. But when you can do it from mom and dad or an aunt and uncle or a close friend's parents, you do get that feeling yep. that it, that is like nothing else. Absolutely. You know, and, and I've been doing reverse mortgages for almost 18 years now, as crazy as that is. Longer uh, than me. And this was the first time that, that I did a reverse mortgage for a close family member. Uh, you know, my parents have always heard me for years preach about reverse mortgages and the benefits of reverse mortgages. And we didn't think that they had enough equity. In fact, we tried to do it last year and they didn't have enough equity. They still owed too much versus mm-hmm. how much the value of their house was. But the housing market has really increased this year. The value of their home has gone up, and they qualified, uh, and they were thrilled to be able to take it. And and for what it's going to do for them, it allows my dad to semi-retire. It allows them to now fund a long-term care policy, which was very important to them. Uh, And and it just allows them to do some modifications to the home. They want to replace the carpet and just all these things that they like to do or they wanted to do to be able to age comfortably in place. And they didn't necessarily think they would have the means to do them right now. Turns out, through the equity in the house, they do have the means. We were able to pay off their current mortgage payment with a reverse mortgage, Mm -hmm. free up that cash flow. They're going to reallocate that cash flow to pay for a long-term care policy. Uh, They're going to preserve their nest egg, right? Because now they don't have to pull as much from their investment portfolio to live their normal lifestyle. Because before, if they were going to retire they were going to have to start depleting that investment portfolio pretty rapidly to afford the monthly mortgage payment and just their, their normal lifestyle. So it was really a godsend. They were, they were able to qualify. They're thrilled about it. They've already started doing some work to the house. Uh, and, you know, when I look at it, and we, we, we looked at this very carefully, like they, what, what it would do, and they didn't want me to treat them any differently than a normal client. So we went through the whole financial assessment a to Z, we got their financial advisor involved. And when you look at it on paper, what this does for their retirement, it adds 10 years of longevity to their retirement plan. Oh, yeah. So just a, a big you know, burden off their shoulders, a big burden off my shoulders. And now they get to, my dad gets to semi-retire. My mom doesn't want to retire yet. In fact, she's pretty upset that my dad's semi-retired. She's like, you got to get him out of the house now. He sits around <laughs> here all day. I'm like... You know what? He, he's he's gotten up at four a.m. every day of his life for the past forty years. Oh so my cut God. the guy some slack. Let him let him sleep if he wants to. You know, it's uh, obviously I've never met your mom and dad, but to see them or to hear them do this, I'd be happy if they got a reverse mortgage because it's good for their lives and it allowed him to retire. 
But when you talk about fixing things in the house, when you talk about things that are so close to both yours and my heart, funding a long-term care insurance policy, I mean, even though I don't know your mother and father, I, I get chills. They, they, they need to be on your website going, we didn't do this because it was our son. We did this because it was the right thing to do. Um, that, yeah. That's such an event. It had to give you the chills at closing. It had to have a smile. Oh on my your gosh! Face. It, it was it was an, it was emotional, and I and I posted on Facebook and LinkedIn the day after a pretty emotional post about what this did for their retirement and what it did for my peace of mind. Right, knowing that uh, you know to be able to play a small role in preserving my parents' legacy in preserving their lifestyle. You know, and I think my parents represent what most of our clients look like today, because today's reverse mortgage client, as you know, is very different than the reverse mortgage clients from a decade ago. Right. A decade ago, it was more of a loan of last resort and, and it was used as such. The reverse mortgage was never created as a loan of last resort, but it became that over the years. And uh, in 2014, 2015, that really changed. Uh, there was a lot of rules and regulations that changed that pushed the program towards uh, to be more of a retirement planning tool. Mm-hmm. And my parents are using it as just that. But when I look at them, you know, they've worked hard their entire life. Blue collar jobs. My dad was a truck driver. My mom was a grocery store manager. Uh, they, they get up. They do the right thing. They've invested in 401ks, invested in IRAs. They've done their best. Right, they've done a, an incredible job, and, and they've given to myself and my sister. And they're always giving; they're never taking, and, they're, and that that's just who they are. And I think a lot of our clients are just like that, right? They they've raised their kids, Absolutely. they've done their best, they've gotten to a certain point in their life where they've accumulated a certain level of wealth, but they look at now how to spend down that money, right? What is distribution? What, what, what is that yeah. term distribution and what does that mean? Mm-hmm. How much can you spend safely without running out of money? That's where I think today's baby boomers are really struggling is, okay, here's my nest egg, right? It may not be a lot of money. My parents, even though they've done, a, I think, a reasonably good job of saving, they haven't saved a whole lot of money. And, and in fact, the, the largest portion of their net worth is that home. It is that equity in the home. Mm-hmm. And so for them, understanding how to incorporate that asset, which is their home, and bring it into the conversation. Now they're using all of their assets and they're including their largest asset, the house, into their holistic retirement plan. Uh, and it's just amazing when you look at it, what we were able to do for them on paper. But then you talk to my, my mom and dad after closing and, and the excitement and the enthusiasm of being able to do what they want to do now, being able to live retirement on their terms without without having to fear about running out of money. Now, they're not rich by any means. They still can't go out and spend wildly. They still have to be cautious. Uh, and they're working with their financial advisor right. to, to put a plan together to be able to accomplish more of their goals. But the fact of the matter is, now they're using their largest asset. And what that does for them is it adds literally 10 years, if not more, to their retirement nest egg. And it allows them to live more comfortably, to age in place, to not have to worry about care. And you talk about long-term care. I think what, what goes overlooked sometimes in long-term care is there's, there's lots of different levels of long-term care. But who wants a bottom-tier level of long-term care, right? right? Everybody wants a superior level of care. And ideally, I think for most people, they want to age in place in the comfort of their own home. Absolutely. Especially right now, given covid you know, we're having so many conversations with adult children. Nobody wants mom and dad to go into a nursing home, right? Or even a long-term care facility. I think there's a lot of nice long-term care facilities, but Definitely. I think 
for the most part, most folks want to stay at home and they want to age in place. And using the house and that that liquefying that fixed asset to help do that is a great way to accomplish aging in place and ensuring a superior level of care. Yeah, it's it, it, the the ability, like you said, they're so much like our average clients, you know, that are out there. And, you know, the mom and dad that did well for their children. And, and now, uh, you know, they didn't save millions of dollars. It's what's this? It's let's face it. It's exactly what this show is about. Less than one percent of our great country. And it is a great country, even in the mess that it's in right now. It's still the greatest of the greatest. Um, less than one percent can live that style that last 30 years of their life in style. And the ability, uh, you know, what they've done is, in, is incredible. Um, you know, COVID-19, you and I touched on this earlier today, too. Uh, we're going to talk about Heckam to Heckam refis. You know, I always got to be careful when it's you and I, you know, only because we both are, for lack of better terms, I won't say obsessed, but at least addicted to reverse mortgages. I always try to keep it as level-headed as I can so my show does not become self-serving. We try not to bring up reverse mortgages all the time. You, by far, are a a national reverse ed- expert, and quite frankly, over I think the 12 to 18 months have done uh, so much more than I have in the industry. Quite frankly, um, your constant either the videos, the teaching has it, really just been incredible. Yet still, still, the average consumer, the average financial planner, the average long-term care insurance person doesn't want to wrap their arms around our industry. And and you and I are going to change that soon. That's a topic for another day. But COVID-19, I think, you know, everybody talks about the effects on the business, which is terrible. All businesses, we had to shut the country down. Of course, the terrible um, side effects of seniors being alone and sick in healthcare facilities. Many of them we lost and they were alone. Um, you know, just so sad. Uh, again, one of the positive things you mentioned in the beginning, it is making people... Uh, maybe take planning a little seriously if you have to take a, something good that came out of COVID. But nobody ever seems to discuss the other mental and emotional casualties of COVID. Um, from your four-year-old that need, you know, and my seven-year-old grandson who needed to get back into second grade, yours needed to get back into school five days a week, you know, we all, whether we're outgoing personalities like us, you know, that get on a TV show or, or get on LinkedIn or do a video or we're very shy people, whoever that is, life is dependent on some sort of interaction. Even if it's walking into your supermarket and saying hello to your butcher, even if it's saying hello to people. And not only did we shut down this country business-wise, financially, but the great majority of this country stopped having personal connection for a while there. And no, not two or three weeks, but five or six months before it loosened up and it's nowhere near back to normal now. And yes, we are a Facebook world and a LinkedIn world. And yeah, you know how I feel about that. It's got good and bad. Um, but personal interaction, I think, has hurt many people. I know I'm more anxious than usual. I know... Yeah, I was. I mean, I went five months without seeing my grandchildren, who were five minutes, well, one hungered down with me, um, my 14-year-old, 
because I was at risk and he wanted to help take care of Poppy. Uh, that's my 14-year-old grandson, Alex, is the best. But I have a seven-year-old grandson, a two-and-a-half-year-old grandson, and I had a, my first granddaughter uh, early March, and a week later, I went into um, quarantine. I hadn't seen her for five months. I don't go days without seeing these grandkids, let alone months. And yes, we FaceTimed, but I'll tell you, after five months, I said to my kids, I know I'm at risk. I know I have these certain other features, but if I don't hug my grandchildren, this is just crazy. And I put on my mask and I went to the, my older daughter's house and I hugged my grandchildren. Uh, I, don't think we've, yeah. I don't think anybody's talking about that, what it's done to people on an emotional level. And to your point, I think particularly for seniors and for kids. Yeah, exactly. Right? So two extremes. You, you know, I look at, so my, my grandfather's 97 years old. Oh, God okay? bless him. God bless him. Thank God he's still with us. Before COVID, he was active. He was driving. He was going out to dinner three, four nights a week. He had card games he would be involved with. You know, and before when you would ask him, you know, what, what's your secret to staying so young? Because you look at the guy. Six months ago, or actually at this point, seven or eight months ago, you look at him and you're like, there's no way that guy's 97 years old. He, he couldn't be a day over 70, 75. There, there was just a spunk about him and an enthusiasm about it. And I'll tell you, you know, we, we had him locked down pretty good um, for the first four or five months of, of COVID. And it aged him 30 years. Mm-hmm. He's frail. He shuffles his feet when he walks now. He's a shell of what he was before. And it's it's unbelievably Chills. disturbing and sad. How many more people out there are going through that exact same thing, right? The key to staying young is staying active. That's and right. when you take that activity away from today's seniors, what are they left with? That's right. Right, Especially if they're on their own. Right? He was living by himself in a one-bedroom apartment. He was living on his own. Amazing. But, but he had a life, and he had a lifestyle. And you strip that from him. And then you talk to him, and he's like, well, there's just nothing There's just nothing worth living for anymore. If I can't do the things that I love doing, what am I going to do? Sit here in my apartment, stare at my four walls? And he'll never get that time back, right? You can't go – you can't right. – there's no, there's oh, no yeah. clock to turn back time. You can't get that time back. And so we made the decision as a family, we're not going to keep him quarantined anymore. You know, we're still going to be careful, of course, and, and he's still going to wear a mask if he goes out in public. But we, we've invited him over the house. We've taken the kids over his house uh, – We've involved him in more family activities. People are just not meant to be locked down. No, and and I get it. There's a, side of, there's a side of COVID that you want to be careful. You don't only want to protect yourself, but you want to protect others. But at the same time, you know, we don't know how long this is going to be around for. The aftermath and the impact that this is having to seniors and kids. And I, I, I'm, I'm fearful of, of what yes. this does to my kids. You know, I think we're going to raise a, potentially raise a generation of all these little OCD kids that are afraid to touch people, interact with people, and afraid to open doors and turn yes. doorknobs. And it's just not healthy. And so I think everybody has to manage their own level of risk, yeah. right? If you're high risk and you have underlying conditions, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that we protect those people, especially seniors. But how many more people, how many hundreds of thousands of, or millions of people are being negatively impacted by this? Uh, that don't catch COVID. Exactly. And I think we we just have to try to balance that. And as a country, it's tough to do because the natural reaction is, 
well, we got to shelter down. We got to hunker down and wait for this to fly over. But you just you can't stop living life. And, you you know, I I don't want to get political about it, but I, I do believe that you're doing folks a disservice by only telling them that, that their, their only option to survive is to, to just stay in place and, and not involve family, not interact yeah. with family, because there, there's just a lot of health consequences there as well. Yeah. Um, so that's my two cents on it. No, I agree. Just I, from a personal perspective. No, and, and if, when you get back to the children also, I mean, the two-year-olds, the three-year-olds, the four-year-olds that go to preschool, they're not just going to preschool you know, to get out of mom and dad's hair. Uh, They're going to preschool to build their immunity system, to build their vocabulary, to learn how to share. You you are right. There may be a small generation here that are learning different things for different reasons. I don't think there'll be a bad generation at all, but the aftermath of this crisis, of this pandemic, um, is yet to be seen. Because, you know, I, I have, as you know, uh, the Weizmann Institute on. I tried to at least once a quarter from Israel. And one of the things they discussed when they were here a couple months ago was the, what they called the great mystery or the great unknown of, of all the great people that survived this. Knock wood, although this is glass. I can't find any wood. Knock wood. Um, this is not just a flu. It is stronger than a flu. When people go, oh, it's just like the flu. No, it's not. The effect that this could have had even on the healthy people, let alone the older ones that survived, on their lungs and their heart, is yet to be determined in the next 10, 15 years. This, this was a biggie. And I, I always say, you know, I don't want to be political on 62 Who Knew. That might have been a mistake. I don't want it to become a political show. Um, but sometimes you do have to give an opinion. And, of course, we have one side of the aisle, you know, let's go out and have life and don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the other side, oh, my God, masks need to be mandatory and maybe we need to shut down the country again. Now, of course, the truth is in the middle because that's the way life works. But we can't shut down the country again. And we can't constantly, you know, we can't tell restaurateurs and, and people in the hospitality business, sorry, you can't make a living yet. And we got to stop scaring people. But like you said, everybody's got to, what, what was the analogy you gave earlier before we went on air with the ski slopes? Yeah, I, I, I think to, to me, it's like visiting a ski resort, right? And, and maybe that's not the best analogy, but it's the best one I can come up I with. Like right? You go to a ski resort, you can choose your level of risk, right? You can stay in the cabin and sit by the fire and sip hot cocoa. You could hit the bunny slope. And, and take a little bit more risk, or if you're really brave and feeling lucky, you can go down to Black Diamonds and the Black Diamond moguls, and, but you're managing your own risk. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where we need to get to as a country. You know, now, there, have to, there has to be certain health uh, guidelines, and I get that, but you know, this is still the United States of America. They're still, you know, we, we, we're a free country. We should be able to manage our own risks. And, yeah. you know, Every for that, it, it you can't get political there. Like it, it, there's nothing. It doesn't have to be state mandated. It doesn't That's have right. to be federally regulated. But people should be able to manage their own risks. And I, I think for kids, it's it's critical that kids get back in school. Yes. They get get they get around their friends. They get around their peers. Start it's very again. very scary what yes. could happen to this generation. And for seniors, and I've seen it firsthand. And that's why I'm as passionate as I am about it. You cannot lock down seniors. That the aftermath of this is. 
going to be worse than the debt. The, the amount of people affected by COVID from lockdowns, in my opinion, is going to be worse than the actual death toll. And that's not taking anything away from those who have suffered and that's perished it. from COVID-19. But it's in my opinion. And again, I just reference back to my grandfather's story. This was this was a guy that was vibrant, full of life and did not catch COVID. But you lock him down for six, seven months and the toll that it's taken on him mentally and physically. I don't want anybody else to have to go through that. And and I don't know where the happy medium is. Right. I I don't feel that you could just prance him out in public and and he, you know, because there's too much risk there. But there's got to be some sort of give and take. I don't believe that lockdowns are the way to go, um, maybe in certain circumstances, but certainly not on a broad national level. Uh, but I just worry. I worry about uh, the senior population and I worry about the kids. Yeah, it's the two extremes right now. Isn't that amazing? Well, we're going to talk a little business now. You know, time flies so fast, so fast on this show, especially when you're on and people like yourself. Um, you know, we are enjoying good times in the reverse mortgage world. I almost feel a little Jewish guilt over that, you know, because there, there are a lot of people suffering. Yet real estate and mortgages are doing great. Um, then there's no, there's no, there's no shorter uh, definition. There's no different. I mean, we're all doing great. Um, you know, and, and that's a good thing. Rates are at a record low. They're up a little teeny bit, but rates are at a record low. And for the first time, I'd have to say, at least in my 12-year career, you've been in reverse mortgages 50% more time than I have. Um, this heckum to heckum, which I'm going to let you explain you know, to our audience, this heckum to heckum refi craze um, is giving seniors that got reverse mortgages anywhere from a year to, my God, 10 years ago, more money, a lower interest rate, and a higher quality of life and lower closing costs than they had the first time because we're not charging that much MIP, if any. So I'd like you to actually, yeah. you know, go over with the audience what this heckum to heckum refi craze really means to them. Yeah, well, I think let's start with what the heck is a heckum. Right? <laughs> so a heckum, or H-E-C-M, it stands for Home Equity Conversion Mortgage which is actually the official term. Reverse mortgage is just a slang term. Mm -hmm. So a home equity conversion mortgage is a reverse mortgage. It's that tool that allows you to borrow some of the equity in your house, convert that equity into cash with a flexible repayment option. You can choose to make payments and treat it as a traditional mortgage, or you can defer payback and pay off the home when you sell the house or leave the home permanently. A heckum to heckum is a refinance of an existing reverse mortgage. And so if you're somebody that took out your reverse mortgage, even a year ago, all the way up, like to like Michael said, 10 years ago, if you have a rate over three and a half percent and the value of your home has gone up, there could be a real window of opportunity here to replace your existing reverse mortgage with a new reverse mortgage carrying better terms. So one, interest rates are much lower now. Uh, we just closed, our, the loan that closed today of ours closed at a rate of 2.8%. Incredibly, incredibly low interest rates, historic lows. Values across the country, almost in all 50 states across the board, have gone up, particularly this year. This has been one of the hottest housing markets that I've ever seen. been doing this for 17 years. I've never seen a housing market where in most parts of the country, you can list your house today, have multiple offers tonight for over asking price. Mm -hmm. It's unheard of. Mm -hmm. There's no more negotiation. It, it is a seller's market. Absolutely. And so it's driving home values up. 
Well, that combination of lower interest rates and higher home values creates a window of opportunity to refinance your current reverse mortgage. One, to get a lower rate. What that does is it preserves more of your equity over time because the way that reverse mortgages work, your balance increases by small increments each month if you choose not to make a mortgage payment, which most people don't because the whole premise of a reverse mortgage is to preserve as much cash flow as possible. So if you're not making payments and your balance is going up, well, taking your interest rate from 4 or 5% down to 2.8, 2.9, 3%, huge difference. And, and you're preserving a lot more of your hard-earned equity. Mm-hmm. Number two, it allows you to access more money and was available before. You can now use your home's current value as opposed to what the house was valued at whenever you took out your loan, which is almost guaranteed to be higher now. Uh, And number three, like Michael said, lower closing costs, particularly lower mortgage insurance. Older reverse mortgages have an an annual mortgage insurance premium of one and a quarter percent of your loan balance. That was changed about a year and a half ago. It's actually only half of a percent of your current balance now. So you're saving a ton of money there. There's three big benefits to recap. One, lower interest rates. Two, more available funds. Three, lower mortgage insurance premium with the result of preserving more equity and being able to get more cash out. So we're seeing a lot of folks that have reverse mortgages now replace those reverse mortgages to get much better terms. Yeah, that was the best explanation I've ever heard. And to our audience, as most of you know, over the last 16 to 18 months, I'm not big and I'm supposed to be going, go to this, do this. I I try not to do that. Everybody says I have to do that. Um, But I am going to do it this time. We have between 70 and 80,000 people watching, most of them in the southeast, but many throughout the country, even a few in different countries. Go to the 62 Who Knew website. That's www.62whoknew.com. Click on reverse mortgages, fill out that quick piece of paper, and let either myself or, or Mr. Sless get an expert in touch with you in your state to look into this. Not just if you've had a reverse mortgage and you want to redo it and get more money. That's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. But for those of you out there, and we're going to talk a little bit about it right now, you know, that are going, really, is he pushing that again? Don't you lose your house, Steve, when you have a reverse mortgage? Uh, no. Um, you know, all those things that, I, that we try and, and, and get away from the public, all that misinformation, half-truths, um, I, like you, I'm closing loans in the high twos. Um, I will tell you, very rarely is there points. Um, I'm proud when we get there. There's no underwriting fee because that's against the rule. There's no processing fee because that's against the rules. People see this and they go, you sure this is a reverse mortgage? Yes, this is today's reverse mortgage. So please, uh, all of you out there, even if you have an inkling, even if it's for a friend, Go to www.62whoknew.com, click on reverse mortgages, fill that out, and let a professional like Stephen or one of his associates um, get in touch with you so we can help you have, uh, so you don't go, who knew that there was another 30 years between 62 and 90? You live that in the proper style. So let's talk about a few other things. Um, One of our passions that we share that still seems to be going nowhere for me, I mean, I did a couple in the last few months, is, of course, the Heckam for Purchase, the Purchase Reverse Mortgage that I've grown a reputation of uh, 
calling the sleeping giant the last 10 years of the senior real estate world. Now I have people making fun of me on LinkedIn saying, Michael, it's not the sleeping giant. It's in a coma. It fell from sleep to coma. Uh, I've done a few this year. I'm having the best year I've had in 20 years, but I've only done a handful. I, I can't lie. Now, of course, I didn't get to go out to do realtor seminars and education classes because of COVID-19, but I've only done a few. How have you done so far in 2020 with the purchase reverse mortgage? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, a lot more this year than in previous years. Uh, we have two in our pipeline right now that are settling this month. Uh, actually, both new construction as well. Uh, both over 55 communities. Uh, these happen to be in Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a big community in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania that's on the rise right now. And uh, it's an unbelievable, it's a Dell Webb community. These communities are unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they are purchasing this new home with a reverse mortgage. Uh, you know, I think the problem, Michael, is I think as an industry, we've done, and not you and I, even though I think we could, of course, do better, yeah. but I think the industry as a whole has gone after the realtors, right? And we try to educate the realtors. Hey, we, we have this, and we're almost screaming from the rooftops. We have this amazing product. It's called a reverse mortgage for purchase, where if you have a senior client and they're over 62, they can actually buy this house, actually, with the new jumbo programs, they go down to 60 years old. Yeah. So if you're over 60 years old, you can put down roughly 45, 50% down payment and have the reverse mortgage cover the difference. And now you just bought a $400,000 house for $200,000 and you never have to make a house payment. You only have to pay the taxes and the insurance. We've been preaching this to realtors. If a realtor, let's say a realtor has somebody that comes to them with $200,000 in cash. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mr. Realtor, Here's my 200000 Find me a $200,000 home. I'm going to buy it for cash. The realtor is, you know, if you were a realtor, would you risk getting a mortgage involved? Even if if you could sell this person more home Mm -hmm. and you like to say ethically upsell them. Yes. You know, hey, Mr. Borrower, Mr. You know, I I know you're looking at this $200,000 home, but what if if you could look at a $300,000 home or a $400,000 home that maybe better suited for you, you may not have to settle for this $200,000 home. What most realtors do is they say, I have a buyer with cash. I'm going to sell them a home for the amount of cash that they want because I don't want to mess with a mortgage. And have a quick Where we've seen success is we've gone gone and educated financial advisors. We're, We're bypassing the realtors. We're going straight to the financial advisors because if it, the financial advisor is the one managing the assets under management, they want you to pull as little from that asset investment portfolio as possible. And if we could teach the advisor how to preserve more of their client's cash flow and how to have their client purchase a new home without the requirement of a monthly mortgage payment, well, that, that makes the advisor's ears really perk up. And we've actually gotten more referrals for the purchased version of the reverse mortgage from financial advisors than we have realtors. Me too. We're starting to see that change with realtors. And the realtors that are really in the know and they take the time to really understand how this product works, we do get a lot of referrals from them. But by and large, I think we're doing much better with the financial advisors than we are the, than we are the, uh, the ones actually selling the houses. Yep, me too. My, my, my best um, heckum for purchases, or I like to call it a purchase reverse mortgage, um, do come from financial advisors. There's no way to get around it. Um, yep. you know, again, every expert 
what was it, 2009, where this was introduced. I mean, my God, we're going yeah. on 12 years. And, um, you know, I was one of those people writing in magazines, this is going to change the way people buy homes, and it hasn't even come close, but it should. And it's something that... Well, I, that, I think, Michael, you, you, pointed out, you pointed out 2009. That, that's a key year, right? Because before 2009... And I just got this question the other day. My, my client that I was doing a pre-qualification letter for, for her to purchase this new home, she said, well, why don't I just buy it and then take out a reverse mortgage? And prior to 2009, that's exactly that's what, what you had yeah. to do. There was no reverse mortgage for purchase. The problem with doing that is that you're incurring two sets of closing costs, right? You're purchasing the home. You're mm-hmm. paying all the closing costs to buy the house. Then if you want to take, you know, go two years later and take a reverse mortgage, well, then you're spending another set of closing costs, where the reverse mortgage purchase enables you to do that all in one transaction. So if you're somebody that thinks, hey, maybe I want to do a reverse mortgage, look at purchasing the house with the reverse mortgage, you're going to save yourself a ton of money. Well, not only that, with the new rules that were implemented, I was going to say forced on us, but implemented, if you do pay cash for the house, whether it's a year or two or three years later, and come back and do a reverse mortgage, as you know, we're only going to give you a portion of your equity the first year and make you wait 12 months because there's no legal obligation. Um, so right. yeah, it, it's, it's, we got to get these realtors. It's a frustra- It's a very frustrating thing to me. Um, yeah, I'm not, I will quote you know, I don't know what's happening in 2020, but in 2019, realtors sold about 5.4 million houses in this country. I will not quote how many purchased reverse mortgages we did in 2019, because I think we'll have people go, what did he say? Um, Because I I do blame the industry, and I know people get mad when I say that, and let me just preface it. The reverse mortgage industry is one of the most noblest, honest. I mean, I've met people that just with hearts that are unbelievable. But I have never seen an industry fail a product as this industry has failed the heckum for purchase. It's not the real estate. To, to me, it's Michael, us. it's it's all to me. It's all about marketing. Yeah. Right. And and we're big on marketing. We we market directly to the consumer. Right. I want to have I want to have a conversation with you, you know, the yeah. viewer of this TV show. I don't want to have a conversation. I mean, sure, I will have a conversation with your realtor or your financial advisor. But I think our industry pretends like our clients aren't smart enough to make their own decisions. That's exactly we right. have very, very astute, savvy clients. Yes. Again, this isn't the product of last resort that it was 10 years ago. That's right. The average, I think our average credit score is 750. That's right. right. These, oh, these yeah, are people that, that have means. These are smart folks. Yeah. So I want to have a conversation with you, right? So in the content that we put together and the marketing initiatives that we put together, I focus that all, and I write all of my own content. I focus that on the consumer, right? I think that they're, they're able to have a real conversation. So we have a whole content initiative that's coming out. We have new TV commercials that are coming out, new radio ads, uh, social media marketing. I think the problem with our industry and why there's not more reverse mortgages, both refinance and purchase, is because all people see is the Tom Selleck commercial on TV. And you know what? God bless Tom Selleck, because when they come out with a new commercial, it drives the industry. Yes. Yeah. That's all they see. And there's there's no real education there. Tom Mm -hmm. Selleck isn't teaching you what a reverse mortgage is. You're going to call in to a call center 
and you're going to be handled by some 22 year old kid who, yeah. you know, has been in the business for two years. Well, and that, that really, it's, it's disturbing because or two weeks. I know, and you know, and we've, t- we've talked about this before, yeah. our clients are smart, they're savvy, yes. they're, they're capable of digesting a lot of pretty heavy information. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time as an industry, we give them that information. And mm-hmm. you've done it with this TV show, and you have, I know you have a podcast coming out and more marketing initiatives, and I try to do the same thing. I just want to have a real conversation provide some straight talk, give real solutions, and then empower the consumer, the viewer, to make their own decision about what's best for them. Absolutely. And I also want to say pretty much the same thing. You know, nothing but respect for AAG. Nothing but respect. They're driving the industry right now retail-wise. There's no doubt about it. But when the giants left, the Bank of America's, the Wells Fargo's, the MetLife's, the Countrywide's, um, they are now the giant of the retail business. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tom Selleck. Um, I, I just am on a personal level. Um, Blue Bloods is one of my favorite TV shows. I don't know, I don't know how he has time to, uh, to pitch reverse mortgages and still run the 35,000 police force of New York. It's just, to me, he's just staggering. I uh, wasn't that big of a fan of Magnum, but I love his new TV show. It's been on for a decade. But that being said, I don't understand... Okay, and the people that run AAG are obviously smarter than I because they have a much bigger financial statement and they probably spend more on paper clips than I do on, on marketing. But if we could just get Tom Selleck to st- stand up and go, you know, I didn't know with that famous beard and the stroke of his, I didn't know you could buy a house with a reverse mortgage. I think that's all he'd have to, I mean, I want him to say more. I think AAG would get 3,000 calls and go, what? What? What do you mean? How do you buy? Why isn't it? I mean, even our own lenders that have, let's face it, buku dollars and buku balance sheets. On, you know, I would take a local REMAX person, a local Century 21 and a line right person, Keller Williams, whatever, do a joint. Bring them on. Not, not even anybody famous. Let's do a commercial. I can't believe I just sold a house with a reverse mortgage. They bought a you know, you know why it is, and, and, and let's just call it what it is, yeah. because I think this is absolutely the case. Educating people is, a, is very expensive. Yes. Right? So most of the marketing initiatives that you see, and it's, it's not a knock against AAG or no, anybody not, doing no. TV. We do TV as well. Most people that are running TV spots, they have a limited time window to hit some key bullet points. And most of the time, they're, they're targeting what we call in the industry, the low hanging fruit. And that's not a knock on anybody, but it's the people who need a reverse mortgage needs based, not goal oriented, not, not the ones that are planning. It's expensive to explain how a reverse mortgage can be used in conjunction with your investment portfolio, right? How do you explain that in a 30 second or a one minute long TV commercial? It's almost impossible. What we've done is we've focused a lot of our marketing initiatives on social media Mm -hmm. because there is no time restriction. That's right. That's expensive to do as well if you want to get a lot of clicks and a lot of views and you want to have a lot of people consume your content. So I think it's a cost factor. I think if AAG wanted to, they would, they would have Tom Selleck talking about the purchase, but it's not the best bang for their buck. And so I think most of the education has to be done on the more grassroots level. Yeah. Smaller entities such as yourself and myself, mm-hmm. uh, it has to be done grassroots it has to be us on podcasts on tv shows you know luckily i'm in maryland and in my region 
I've been lucky enough to book a lot of local media. You know, so every 90 to 120 that. days, I'm on the local news. Mm-hmm. And that's been a game changer for us because that's a three or four minute segment. That's not just a 30 second or a minute long TV commercial. So right. it's just finding these opportunities to educate. But to do that through a TV commercial would be too expensive. And so I think, sure, in a, in a perfect world, we would love to have Tom Selleck talking about all these different advanced planning strategies but it's just too difficult for him to do that in the in the time restriction. Yeah. So I think that has to come down to grassroots. And I think as an industry, we have to get out there. We have to be loud and proud and passionate about what we do. And by in most the most part, this industry is. You know, there are some amazing, amazing folks that we have in the reverse mortgage industry that mm-hmm. educate. They're passionate. They're caring. They they really understand economics and finances. You know. I think another issue, and I know we're cutting a little short on time no, here, but good, another issue good. that I wanted to bring up, most people that go to take out a reverse mortgage, they don't go to a reverse mortgage expert. That's right. Right? They're going to somebody that does traditional mortgages, and, oh, they maybe do one or two reverse mortgages a year if they happen to stumble across them. I know for me, I, I haven't originated a traditional mortgage in 12 years. My license says that I'm able to, and I probably could, it wouldn't be a very pleasant experience for the customer. <laughs> Certainly wouldn't be a very pleasant experience for me. But could I do it? Yeah. I, I think I'm a smart enough guy and I've been around the industry and I know what I'm doing enough to be, you know, to be able to originate a loan. But that's what happens too often with reverse mortgages. Now, Michael, you're I know you do both, but you're an expert. And and I know because I know you, you're reverse first, right? Reverse is in your blood and and you're an expert on reverse mortgages, and I know that's where your passion is. And you're also very good at doing traditional loans. But I don't, I think you're the anomaly. I don't think most people are good or even semi fair at both. And so you have to vet who you're working with. You got to make sure that this person knows reverse mortgages, knows all the ins and outs. Reverse mortgages are not cookie cutter loans by any means. There are several different ways to structure a reverse mortgage. And so it's really important that you discuss your goals, your wants, your needs, your finances. Right, we do a whole financial assessment where we're we're, an anal- we're analyzing how much they have in the bank, how much do they have in the stock market, what's in their investment portfolio. Because the first thing that we want to look at is suitability. Because if this isn't the right product for you, I'm not going to waste your time and I'm not going to waste mine. I'm going to tell you pretty early on, hey, I think you should be exploring something else. That's maybe right. there's a VA loan. Maybe there's a different type of loan out there that you should look at that may be more beneficial for you. Uh, most people don't go to that depth, and so for the consumer out there, for the viewer. If you're entertaining a reverse mortgage, of course, pick up the phone, call Michael, call myself, visit the 62 Who Knew website. But whoever you're going to work with, make sure they understand they're reverse mortgages and they've yeah. done more than two per year. Yep. You know, it's you bring up something, and you're right, we're a little short on time, there's five minutes left, but you bring up something that really is staggering for our industry. And, and it's why I'm going to say something now that... I'm going to get grief over. I know it tomorrow. This is why I think financial planners should be in the reverse mortgage business. I mean, a damn license and everything. Because can we? Can you do both? Okay. And and, and thank you for the compliment. Yes, I do both. I mean, the first I'm in business 38 years, and the first 25, I didn't even know what a reverse mortgage was. The last 12, it became my passion. <coughs> But quite frankly, this month, you know, I'm going to have about 20 closings. Four of them are reverse. 16 
of them are regular mortgages. Can you do both? I don't think the industry has a choice but to somehow evolve to a loan officer that can do both. And when I say the industry, I don't mean the regular mortgage industry. I mean our industry. I mean three-quarters of the people in our industry, and again, I can't stress how great they are. When, I, when people say to me, Banner, what are you doing? I saw something on LinkedIn. You, know, you, you were with 32 realtors yesterday. I go, yeah, I was with them for four or five hours. Did a three-hour class. Then we went to lunch, and then we did this. And they're, oh, my God, realtors, you can't go. They're so disloyal. Uh, you can't get them. I can't even get in the front door. Why are you bothering? A lot of it is us. But if you go to a forward mortgage person who makes a, a living, a damn good living, off purchase mortgages, He'll go, yeah, I love refis. Every three to five years I do refis. I buy a bigger house. I buy jet skis. It's how I put away money you know, in the kids' college fund, refis. But I make my money doing purchases. As long as I take care of my realtors, they love me, I love them. Our industry is missing that. And if we're not going to get the forward world involved, which we don't seem to be doing because most can't do both, I want to bring certified financial planners, independent financial advisors into our industry. People that have a license, people that have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's right, and then let them, do I think they're going to become absolute experts like you? No. But will they know enough to say you are a candidate for a reverse mortgage? Now, call my partner, Stephen Sluss. Now, my coworker, the person that does my reverse mortgages, I see that as our road to success, but you know that's going to be a big topic on the podcast that you're going to be involved in. Yeah, and I think you and I have uh, a similar mindset there. I, I, I agree. I think financial advisors should be more involved, and should they originate them? Maybe. I don't see an, I don't see an issue with it. You know, I think there needs to be a certain standard of education, you know, not yes. that these are uneducated folks. I mean, no. you have CFPs and, and RICPs and you have a lot of qualified people, but I do think reverse mortgages are, are a specialized niche, but you, you're on to something there. And, yeah. and there's a, there's a big need in the marketplace and that need has to be met. Uh, the last I saw, I think we're, we're at one less than a 1% penetration, which yes. means for all of the folks that qualify for a reverse mortgage, less than 1% actually have one. That's staggering. Yes. Right? And I think it's on, it's on us to continue to educate and continue to inform everybody and, and scream from the hills, and, and, and especially on platforms such as this show and other shows, just to get the word out there. Reverse mortgages are an unbelievable financial planning tool. And when used properly, and strategically can make a huge difference in the lifespan of one's investment portfolio. And, and quickly, you know, I, the, we're seeing more higher net worth individuals than ever oh, before absolutely. taking out jumbo reverse mortgages. Mm -hmm. you, we can lend up to $3 million on a $10 million house for a jumbo reverse mortgage. So there's a whole new world out there of folks that understand more than anything, they understand leverage. That's leverage, right. lever if you're going to take nothing else out of this TV show today, take out leverage. That's right. That's what you're doing. That's what a reverse mortgage is. You're leveraging your largest asset and you're creating a better retirement. All right. With 28 seconds to go, 26, 25, you got lucky because we didn't have time to talk about that beard. 
Okay, <laughs> so that's a, that's a COVID be it. I I did get a few emails. I've booked you three bar mitzvahs, two weddings, and a bris. Rabbi Sless. Oh, sweet. So the next time you're on the show, nice, you're going to let nice. me know what happened. I appreciate the, it. But yeah, I, I do think it looks great, by the way. I really do. Thank but you. I, thank you. I, that's a my, my wife, not so much, but I, I appreciate the compliment. We're out of time. Thank you, Stephen Sless. See you the next time. Thank you to my audience. See you next Monday.